It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 116. Quantum's a podcast that looks at news and views and culture from a Christian perspective. Why do we need it? Um, thank you, by the way, for all of you who've been in, in touch again. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the news. Appreciate the comments. And appreciate the insight and the advice. But I'll tell you why we need it. We need it because I'm reading a lot of news in print media, watching on visual media on and on social media. And to be honest, it's so shallow. Sometimes you need to get behind the news. The other problem is it's so partisan. So let's start with this. Um, this is Keir Starmer, the Labour leader of the opposition in the United Kingdom, calling for a circuit break. There's no longer time to give this Prime Minister the benefit of the doubt. The government's plan simply isn't working. Another course is needed. That's why I'm calling for a two to three week circuit break in England, in line with Sage's recommendation. A temporary set of clear and effective restrictions designed to get the R rate down and reverse the trend of infections and hospital admissions. A circuit breaker is basically a short lockdown. Um, it's used as a circuit breaker because the idea is, as in electricity, you could do this. You could you 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 stop it. You break the circuit. Now, uh, that's not been proven. That's one problem. It, it sounds so definite and so certain. Everyone's using it as though they know what it means. Now, here's where the the main news reported this. So in the Times, it said, for example, and headlines said that, you know, if there was a two-week circuit breaker, it would save 8,000 lives. Now, here's the problem. Um, listen to Matt Keeling, who's one of the authors of the paper, a mathematician at the University of Warwick. Okay, I really, really wish I hadn't put these numbers in the paper because they were there for, for sort of illustration. So um, we looked at a range of different scenarios from a relatively low growth rate going forward, where we might sort of reduce deaths by a third between now and New Year, to some extreme scenarios, uh, which I think are the ones that have been quoted in the papers, which really were what happens if we don't do anything between but now and the New Year. There's a problem here, isn't there, that you did put them in the paper. They are on the front page of the Times this morning, the suggestion that deaths could be reduced from about 19,900 to 12,100. And isn't the whole problem with this idea, it doesn't stop deaths at all, a circuit breaker. It doesn't stop hospital admissions. Surely it simply postpones them. You stop it briefly, and then what happens, as happened when we came out of lockdown last time, is as soon as we come out of the circuit break or the lockdown, up it goes again. I would completely agree with that, and that's what we say in the paper. You know, we look at what would be the impact between now and the new year, and we stress that this is only a short-term measure. It buys us time to put other things in place, but at the moment we do need that time. Here's the problem. And in that clip you heard, Nick Robinson, the interviewer, thankfully got it. Because he said, you, yeah, you, you heard it, isn't the whole problem with this idea that it doesn't stop deaths at all, it doesn't stop hospital missions, it just simply postpones them. And Keeling says, yes, 
So 8,000 lives are not being saved. 12,000 lives are not being saved. It's a postponement of two weeks. And that's actually what they say in the paper. But of course, the papers, the media, the headliners, they don't want that. They don't want, you know, more complex news. Just figure, 12,000 people saved, 8,000 people saved. How much time would a two-week lockdown buy us? Well, that was missing as well. A two-week lockdown, according to the SAGE report, would actually succeed in getting infection numbers back to where they'd been around 28 day days earlier. And what would be done with that time? This is just delay. Now, all these figures as well, here's the other problem. They're simply pieces of modelling, and they're only as good as the assumptions that go into them. We don't believe the modelling anymore. Neil Ferguson's half a million people are going to die. We just don't believe it. And then this is what's even worse. What What is that two weeks buying us maybe four weeks? What does that do? It doesn't save lives. But what does it do? It could cost lives. Roughly, economists reckon that each week of loss down costs £25 billion a week. So that's £50 billion for the two weeks. That's a huge price. A huge price. And how many lives will be lost because of that? How many people won't be treated for cancer because of that? How many people will lose their jobs? How many people will commit suicide? How many children will have their education disrupted? It just sounds, when you have simplistic news, it just sounds great. Two weeks saves 8,000 lives. No, it doesn't. It just doesn't. And that's why, and it hasn't been reported widely, the WHO announced that this week that they did not approve of lockdowns. They didn't think it was an effective way to deal with things, but it seems to be the only weapon that some of our politicians have. Now, moving on, but tied into this, I listened to this extraordinary lecture, and I would plead with you to listen to it from Lionel Shriver. Um, just listen to this part of it. What were politicians thinking? They weren't thinking. They were reacting. They were doing something to disguise the fact that they had no idea what to do. In preference to making measured, informed trade-offs, Western leaders mindlessly copied both the worst possible model for governance, communist China, and each other. They implicitly relied on the excuse many a parent has found wanting. Well, everyone else is doing it. To whatever degree our leaders have exercised any independent judgment whatsoever, they've trusted naively that an effective vaccine is right around the corner, after which everything will go back to the way it was. Now, it, it, she had said that it was not that difficult to frighten people, and it isn't that difficult to frighten people. She'd said that the economies were trashed, that democracy was trashed, that the health services were trashed. And th she then goes on to point out, as you heard in the clip, that those, those really just absolutely excellent points. And you're saying, why are the governments doing this? They're not doing it because they know things. They're not doing it because of the science. They're doing it because they're afraid and they're doing it because they have to be seen to do something. And there's this, and they're doing it because they are absolutely gambling on a effective, full 
vaccine being available. And that is a huge gamble. Now, as I say, the rest of the lecture, it's not mostly about COVID. It's about the decline of the West. It's about the collapse of the financial system and so on. And it is utterly brilliant. But here I have a question to ask for those of us who are Christians. I'm reading Jordan Peterson, or I was, uh, Doug Murray, Tom Holland, Lionel Shriver, making perceptive and brilliant analysis of the culture that we are in. Where are the Christian leaders? Glenn Shrivener, who's an Australian evangelist, again, I'm going to turn, <laughs> encourage you to listen to this wonderful interview he does with Tom Holland. Now, Glenn's a great interviewer, and Tom Holland is an, is an interviewee, and I, I love him a bit. I really do. I love his writing. Uh, I love his compassion. I love his thoughtfulness. I love how close, how close he gets to Christ if he's not there already. I love his humility. I love in this interview, he, he says he's lost his faith, but it's his faith in liberalism or at least his faith in liberal progressivism. But this part of the interview, listen, listen to this. The, the, the response of the churches was a kind of a, a, a pallid echo of, of public health announcements. And of course, yeah. terribly important for, for uh, bishops and vicars and so on to, to, to give public health announcements. But I, 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 you know, that's what public health officials are for. I kind of feel the churches are there to, to, to give answers and to situate our, what's happening in, 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 in the context of you know, this kind of weird, weird that they're teaching. What would that look like, though? What would that look like in any... I mean, obviously, the Pope in Rome can do that, that great theatre, that great drama. What would, what would it look like in, in, for instance, an English setting? Or an Anglican setting, goodness. I, th I think that it, it, that it might be expressed through open-air open air services like the Pope did. Um, yes. Uh, an attempt to, 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 to root what's happening in the... Um, the cultural and the scriptural inheritance of 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 what's gone before. I mean, I haven't heard much. I've heard almost nothing about um, you know why this is happening. About what the story. What you know. What does the Bible say about plagues? You know, there are an awful lot of plagues in the Bible, um, and there's an awful lot of of attempts by Christians to understand why plagues happen and what people should do in plagues, and and this seems to me, you know, an incredibly valuable resource. Uh, and and something you know, I'd much rather hear um, a bishop talk about that than 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 kind of tell me to wash my hands. Now, what had happened was Holland had been to Rome, and he, or at least maybe he watched it. I'm not sure. And he saw the Pope citing Pope Gregory, citing the Scriptures, citing the Church's experience, and saying it helped him. It, it helped him see things in a wider perspective as regards COVID. And then, of course, he made those comments. Uh, in fact, he made several comments about how disappointed he was that, in effect, church leaders in the United Kingdom are giving advice about hand washing. They're not talking about Job. They're not talking about the plagues in the Bible. They're not talking about how the church has dealt with this in the past. I felt so embarrassed and so ashamed that we have this wonderful resource in the scriptures that we have people like Tom Holland saying, I want to hear it, I want to hear it. And our church leaders are telling us how to wash our hands.
Do you know, there's a story that I was reminded of this week of Sabina Wormbrand, an, an amazing woman. She's the wife of a very famous pastor called Richard Wormbrand, who's really kind of a hero. Now, what happened was that the Russian communists had invaded Romania. They'd convened a congress of cults to promote communist ideology amongst the leaders of the major churches. One after the other, pastors and preachers pledged support for the communists. And Sabina leaned over and whispered in her husband's ear, they are spitting on the face of Christ. Will you not speak up? And he said, if I speak, you will no longer have a husband. To which she replied, I don't need a coward for a husband. He did speak. He told his fellow leaders they could not serve Christ, that they should serve Christ and Christ alone. And he was arrested shortly afterwards, spent 14 years in prison. She lost her husband for 14 years. She was arrested. She was forced into slave labor. Absolutely wonderful. That's the courage we need. Now, someone wrote in and said that they really appreciated the fact that it, this podcast takes us out of our American Eurocentric, although we often focus on the West. But we do try and cover other things. And here's something from, well, I tell you what, listen to this music and let's see if you can guess where it's from. <laughs> That's Ethiopia, and from the Ethiopian church, one of the oldest churches in the world. Now, what's happened is that there is violence erupted across Ethiopia, um, riots at the following the murder of a well-known musician, and uh, the security forces have got involved, killing some people. Nine thousand people have been displaced, say open doors, and it's believers in particular who are the most vulnerable. Um, it is home to some of the most dangerous and suppressive forms of persecution. Pray for Ethiopia. And then, speaking of heroes and heroines, I'm beginning to get a new one. Um, whatever you think of Donald Trump, his pick for the next Supreme Court justice is absolutely superb. Amy Conway Barrett has given... I, I'm almost transfixed by the Supreme Court hearings. Now, it appears to me that her Democrat opponents have just been vicious, but she's handled it so, so well. I, I am just so impressed with that lady in every single way. Just quite astonishing. I, I mean, I don't like to have heroes because they've all got feet of clay and they let you down. But nonetheless, uh, she's my hero. Or do we say heroine? I'm not sure what the correct term is nowadays. But listen to this. The, a Democratic uh, senator Heron, Senator. Hirono, who'd already stuck the boot in, who'd already asked her ridiculous questions about have you, have you ever committed sexual assault? Honestly, just pathetic. But this is her complaining about the language of sexual preference. I don't think that you use the term sexual preference as just, a, I don't think it was an accident. And one of the legacies of Justice Scalia and his particular brand of originalism is a resistance to recognizing those in the LGBTQ community as having equal rights under our Constitution. In 1996, Justice Scalia wrote a dissenting opinion. There are an estimated 11 million adults who identify as LGBTQ living in this country since Obergefell was decided in 2013, 2015. Approximately 293,000 same-sex couples have gotten married. 
And many of these people are rightly afraid that if you are confirmed, you will join with other conservative members of the court to roll back everything the LGBTQ community has gained over the past two decades and push them back into the closet. Okay, now, what's going on there? And this is again back to the power and back to understanding how things are done. The language of sexual preference has been used right up till now. Um, Joe Biden used it. Obama used it. Others have used it. And it just simply means saying, you know, homosexuality is your sexual preference. Now, Hirono, as, as the language gets changed, Hirono has says that this is entirely wrong, that it's only homophobes who use the term sexual preference because they believe sexuality is a choice. But here's where it gets really interesting. Webster's Dictionary Online, within a day, within a day, changed their definition of the word preference in line with Hirono's complaints. The dictionary once listed sexual preference as a subcategory of preference. But this time they put in preference and added the word offensive. It's, it's an offensive term. It wasn't an offensive term a week ago. It is an offensive term now. I saw this before when I saw how the new atheists had got the dictionaries to change their definition of faith at the beginning of the 21st century. So up until then, faith was always understood in Christian terms as belief and evidence, uh, belief uh, based uh, upon evidence uh, or based upon the information that you have. And then suddenly the new definition was something you believe despite the evidence or without any evidence. No, no, that's never been Christian faith, but it's all been redefined. You control the dictionary, or in this case, you control the internet. You control the whole thing. Like circuit breakers, like same-sex marriage. When they, when they asked people if they supported traditional marriage between a man and a woman, the poll said yes. When they changed the wording to do you support equal marriage, change the wording. Be careful when you're listening to people. Listen to the words that they use and watch out for what they're trying to do. Okay, let, let's come across to New Zealand and let's come across to Jacinda Ardern. Some of it's really important, okay. like housing, because house yep. prices are still out of control in this country. And Jacinda Ardern, three years ago, in this debate, you stood right where you are now and said to New Zealand that the unaffordability of housing was due to, and I'll quote you, a failure of leadership. But since you took office, the median house price has risen by $145,000. Have you failed as a leader? No, but some of the things that we've tried did not succeed. <laughs> and I will acknowledge that. We had, a minister, who, we had a minister who paid- She is a global media superstar. She has is quite remarkable in many ways. She is, people, gush over her in the West. She's, you know, she's only in a country of five million people. She's credited with, uh, rightly, with wonderful things. For example, her response to the mosque killings, the empathy she's shown, uh, she's deemed to have done a very good job in terms of COVID. However, however, once you get beneath the rhetoric and the image, there are a lot more disturbing things. So let me give you some examples. Complain about refugees, 
Uh, the New York Times, for example, had Maureen Dowd praise Adern for rescuing refugees from Australia's hideous holding facilities in Nauru. Uh, by the way, I agree with that. However, Australia's annual, annual, refu annual refugee intake is about 19,000, going probably down to about 13,000. Australia has 25 million people. New Zealand has 5 million people. Do you know how many refugees they take? 1,000. Doesn't matter. She's progressive, so that's fine. She promised to reduce child poverty. It's increased significantly. And in particular, the, the Pacific Islanders and the Maori people, one in eight. No, no, beg your pardon. One in four, and sometimes one in three, are in severe po poverty. One in eight of New Zealand's children are in severe poverty. She promised 100,000 affordable homes. There's 600. She promised zero carbon emissions. Emissions went up. She promised light rail from Auckland Airport to CBD, abandoned. But now, because of COVID, she can do as what Greg Sheridan calls her high priestess of the woke religion stuff. Well, we'll see. All right, let's go somewhere else in the Pacific and let's go to North Korea, where uh, North Korea has just put the world's biggest ICBM on parade. That is more disturbing than um, many people realize. There are wars and rumors of wars. But I want to stick with Korea. I, I, Korean people are just amazing. And I, I love preaching to the Korean Presbyterians here in Sydney, uh, of which there are a significant number. But I, I got this lovely story of the South Korean yogurt ladies. Now they've been around since the 1970s. What are they? They do, they cycle around with motorized fridges. <laughs> this is brilliant, and they just sell people yogurt. They go in, and here's the thing: it's the country's population is is aging, and older people get lonely. And what's happening is that. The yogurt ladies have become a vital point of contact for many isolated people. I, I just, I, I'm sorry, I just love that story. Okay, but I don't love this one. Do you remember this man? When love is the way, there's plenty good room. Plenty good room for all of God's children. Because when love is the way, we actually treat each other, well, like we are actually family. Oh, this is Bishop Curry, Bishop Love, the Bishop of Love. Isn't it wonderful? Love, love, love. And isn't the whole world going to listen to his sermon? Isn't everyone going to turn to Christianity because of it? No, they're not. And no, it wasn't a great opportunity. It was heresy. It was rubbish. It was utter hypocrisy. Why? Because there is a real Bishop Love. And he's in the same church of which Bishop Curry is the head, if you like. And that church, the U.S. Episcopal Church, has ruled against him. His name is William Love. He's the Bishop of Albany. And he had instructed his pastors not to perform same-sex marriages. So now he's to be disciplined and punished. 
Who said the liberals don't believe in discipline? This is the finding. Love's actions in issuing a pastoral direction to his clergy that they refrained from performing same-sex marriages violated the discipline and worship of the church as Bishop Love promised in his ordinal vows. His actions therefore constitute a breach of Canon 4.3.2, bracket A, close bracket A. Yep, that's where liberal churches go. Canon 4.3.2, bracket A, never mind what the word of God says, never mind what the Bible says. And never mind tolerance. You don't agree with them. Doesn't, the Bible's irrelevant. You're out. Now, it's that kind of church that Hillary Clinton thinks is going to do well. Um, she had a podcast in which she discussed with Pastor William J. Barber III, who's a Methodist, and um, this is what was said. A lot of young people are leaving the church. Young people are very open to faith that is about transformation, about love, about justice, about equality, about the essence, the essence of what it means to be people of faith. Black lives matter and so on. Jesus and justice are the same thing, said Clinton. Basically, classic Protestant liberalism. There's only one slight problem with that. You know, this judgmentalism. She's saying young people are not going to the church because of judgmentalism. Listen to this. You can put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. But that other basket of people... Remember that? I, I, I think calling 50% of Trump supporters deplorables suggests that Someone's being more than a little judgmental. And then, of course, I would say that what she and the minister, Barber, were suggesting is what has killed the church. Go and look at the evidence. Well, thanks to the person who sent me in this story as well. I do want to share it. It's a woman called Zoe Powell. It's extremely sad. Um, Near Oxford, she was killed, three children were killed, and her husband and a baby girl are fighting for their lives. It's just such an incredibly tragic and sad story. But even the BBC did mention this, that they were very involved in their church. I believe they were Christians. Um, and they went to a community church, which spoke of their lives being secure in Jesus who went through death before us. It's such a sad story but it's great that the hope of the gospel got out there. All right, we're coming near the end. Um, we haven't had much music, have we? So here's some for you. My heart was so heavy With longing for you My arms were so lonely Lonesome and blue Alone in my sorrow I heard a voice cry, a voice in the wilderness, a voice from the sky, have faith in you. That's Cliff Richard on his 80th birthday. Now, I once got in enormous trouble because um, I mentioned that I didn't particularly like his music. But I'll tell you this, it's been a fairly consistent Christian witness. He says this, I don't spit or swear or sleep around. I've always maintained I'm the most radical rock and roll singer Britain has ever seen. 
And then this, there's no better news than the fact that Jesus can actually turn a life upside down and save it. So, happy birthday, Sir Cliff. Believe me and you'll hear it, that voice from above, a voice in the wilderness, the voice of true love. But there was someone else. I'm going back to Tom Holland. He, he tweeted this. Again, I thought this was wonderful. This is a woman, Mrs. Florence Pannell, born in 1868, giving an interview in 1976 when she was 108. Listen to part of this. Have you ever been in an aeroplane? Never. Would you like to? I shouldn't mind now, but I wouldn't when they first came in. I never, I never fancied them. But I, I would now because I'm more venturesome. <laughs> I think you've been very adventurous right through your life. What's the biggest change of all you've seen? The biggest change? Everything. Nothing is the same. Everything is changed. Mrs. Florence Pannell. Just extraordinary changes that she has seen. And yet, in many ways, so many things are the same. Alright, I'm going to love you and leave you. Um, a little bit less music this time, I think. Uh, just I do want to reflect on how we listen to and how we consume news. I honestly don't want to report anything that's false or anything that's wrong. And if you spot anything, please let me know and I will correct it. I do make mistakes. I don't... You know, these are just observational on things that I read and observe and and also that I hear from you and, and from all over the world. As I said, I think there's only three countries in the world that this podcast hasn't gone to in the past year. You might slip, you might slide, you might stumble and fall by the roadside. But don't you ever let nobody drag your spirit down. I'm going to leave you with Eric Bibb. Uh, I'm thinking of this 108-year-old lady. I'm thinking of many of the people that we've spoken of. Don't let anybody ever drag your spirit down. If you are a Christian, you have the greatest hope in the world, come what may. And if you're not a Christian, it's on offer to you. Seek Christ and live. You want to support Podbean and uh, support Quantum, then go on to the Podbean. Um, you got any ideas, just come back to me and... God bless you, and hopefully I will see you next week. Well, I might say things, sounds strange to you, and I might preach the gospel, I believe it's true. I won't let nobody drag my spirit down. Yes, I'm walking up the heaven table. Won't let nobody turn me around You might slip You might slide You might stumble and fall By the roadside Don't you ever let nobody Drag your spirit down Remember you walking up the heaven Don't let nobody turn